Yes, yes, yes. Welcome in. Welcome back to another episode of the Format Podcast. Thanks for taking the time out to join me today. Um, we are going to have a special guest on. We're going to be talking some NBA. And no, it's not official Format Podcast hoops analyst Andy Noel. He's not going to be with us today. He's got some stuff going on, but don't worry. He'll be back next time. But no, we are going to have Levi McDonald, a.k.a. Mac, host of the Talk Smack with Mac podcast on to talk L.A. Lakers and uh, NBA basketball. So it should be a good one. Hope you guys are looking forward to that. Should enjoy. Um, but before we go ahead and get you over to that, we're going to knock out the particulars and you know what they are. If you're watching on YouTube, thanks so much for checking me out. And uh, what you can do is click that subscribe button in the lower right corner of your screen. Then you can click the bell so you can be notified uh, when new shows are out. Okay. Thank you so much for that. Also, like and subscribe, guys. Like and subscribe. Need that. Um, if you uh, enjoy the show or if you don't, go ahead and leave me some comments in the comment section. That, that'd be awesome, too. Uh, if you're on um, social media, you can catch me on Twitter. The handle is at Bruce F.A. Hope. That's at Bruce F.A. Hope. If you're on Instagram, you can catch me at The Format Podcast, at The Format Podcast. And of course, you can email me the format podcast at outlook.com, the format podcast at outlook.com. You can uh, you can say you love me, say I'm a genius, I know my sports. You can say I'm the biggest idiot talking sports. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, you can email me um, telling me about uh, things I may have missed or, or topics you'd like me to discuss that I didn't really hit on. So, you know, you can do all of that. Thoughts for new show segments, what have you. Tell me how you feel about the guests that we have, all right? Um, I don't care if you leave mean comments. I don't care if you like them, because no matter what, if you leave comments or you say something, that lets me know you're listening, and I really appreciate that, okay? Also, if you want just the audio version of this podcast, you can check me out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you can find the Format Podcast. Just type it in. The Format Podcast will come right up, all right? Subscribe. Uh, and finally, if you're going on iTunes, please go ahead and give us that five-star review. One, two, three, four, five. Give us that five-star review. It helps us rise in the rankings and uh, it helps me to continue to keep putting out this content for you, all right? So with all that said, sit back, relax, and listen up to episode 95 and check out our new guy, Mac of Talking Smack with Mac of the format. podcast viewer listener and you see a new face on the screen that's because our normal guy uh andy my hoops analyst andy noel he had some stuff come up but we got a real good uh replacement for you today joining us is mac the host of the talk smack with mac podcast how you doing man i'm good i'm good and don't worry i know your normal hoops guy is gone but i'm 
I'm here, man. I'm gonna talk some good stuff. That's what's up, man. You hold it down for us. So uh, before we even get into that, man, let me just say, um, you know, as one to another, man, thank you for for your service, um, you know, fellow Army veteran. So always got to show love to that. Uh, go Army, beat Navy, all that good stuff. Uh, always, <laughs> always. Yes. All right, man. So let's get right down to it, man. So, Mac, um, first thing first, man, I, I know you're a Lakers guy. And I'll forgive you for that because I'm a lifelong Celtics fan. <laughs> so I'm going to let you live today. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to start with a softball for you as we get going here, man. Where are you on the bronze place all time as a Laker? Not as, as a, a player, Laker. but as a Laker. Okay, as a Laker. That's hard, mm -hmm. man. Um, as mm -hmm. we all know, the Lakers history, there's so many great players, great, great players. Right. But at the same time, LeBron was that catalyst that brought another championship to L.A., and four that I think he deserves a spot in the top 10. But, okay. you know, from that 10 spot, I don't really know how much further he can move up right now. Right. You know, there, there's many players that deliver championships. You know, uh, you got Jerry West, Kobe Bryant, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, mm -hmm. Shaq. You got uh, James Worthy. You got uh, Lamar Odom. You got you know, George Mikan, you so, had all these guys. Maybe I didn't hear you right. You, you did say Kobe early in that list, right? You didn't oh, I did, I did, I did. Oh my gosh. Yeah, what kind of Lakers fan are you? <laughs> what, what, are you what are you saying right now? I, I was saying, uh, how could you put LeBron above those guys? Okay, okay, I didn't I, I didn't think I heard you mention Kobe, go ahead, but go ahead. Yeah, my bad, my bad. No, Kobe <laughs> is definitely number one in Laker land, baby. Yeah, that's another discussion. It's Kobe or Magic, but anyway. <laughs> oh man, whenever you wanna have that discussion, I will brilliantly break it down for you fair enough fair enough um so my thing is um you mentioned earlier that Co uh, kobe lebron was um a catalyst to the most recent championship now anyone who knows me or who listens to this pod or watches this pod knows that i'm not a lebron guy i understand based on his statistical production and the level of championships that he's going to, at the end of the day, be very high in terms of the all-time rankings. I get it. I have my own feelings on that. Again, that's another discussion. But um, I found it interesting that you said he was the catalyst because prior to Anthony Davis's arrival, he couldn't even get those guys into the playoffs. Now, people are going to say, oh, he was hurt. He was hurt. And when he went out, you know, Christmas Day, they were fourth in the West. So as you know, being a West guy, the West is always super tight. So I believe that fourth in the West was like two and a half games out of ninth at the time. And also, even during that season, which was what, two years ago now, when LeBron came back, he still had enough time to try and drag that team into the playoffs. They weren't far out. He couldn't get it done. If you remember, activating playoff mode and zip. So I do find it interesting that you mentioned him being the catalyst for the Lakers winning that championship. I'm not saying he didn't play a major role, but I think AD last year was probably the real guy who should get more credit. But as we know, when you play with LeBron, credit is real hard to come by. Your thoughts? Um, I think you are right and wrong for what you said. So two years yeah. ago when LeBron came over, he came to uh, a, a team late in his career. He was an older guy. What did he come over at like 34, 35 years old? Yeah. You know, the Lakers haven't made the playoffs in five, six years up until yeah. that point. They've been absolutely horrible. And like you said, before he gets injured on Christmas, they were fourth in the West. They were just starting to get the ball rolling. But you got to also remember Brandon Ingram got hurt. Lonzo was hurt. JaVale McGee got hurt. LeBron was hurt. That The damn near their entire starting lineup was injured. So right when you get rolling, then you take four out of five guys from your starting lineup and they're injured 
not just for a game or two. They're injured for weeks to, you know, month, month and a half. Brandon Ingram got the blood clot. You know, if you go back the last, like, six games that Brandon Ingram played that season, he was averaging, like, 26, 27 points, mm-hmm. finding his his role next to LeBron, playing that Scottie Pippen-type role. And as we see when Brandon Ingram went to the Pelicans, the kid is nasty. Yeah. Um, I feel like that young core just didn't have enough healthy time to gel with LeBron. Mm-hmm. I think they had something going. They definitely would have made it to the playoffs that season if, you know, people didn't get hurt or the damn near the entire team didn't get hurt. Injuries are a part of the game, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, the rest is history. You know, everybody got injured. We didn't make the playoffs. Ended up getting a fourth pick in the draft that helped us in that trade to acquire Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. So I'm a, I'm a big believer in things happen for a reason. Right. And I think that's interesting Um, not to belabor that point too much. That's a good argument, except for the fact that, you know, I'll say LeBron was too busy trying to uh, work behind the scenes to get the entire young core traded so he could get AD there. But, you know, that's his MO. Let me ask you, if you <laughs> if you have a, a, a situation in which you could trade for one of the best basketball players ever, you know, mm-hmm. Anthony Davis is for sure going to be a top 50 guy all time. Shouldn't you make that push for that trade? It's not so much that, and I do agree with you. Yes, you probably should. It's just the issue of, and again, anybody who knows me, I've said this ad nauseum, that everywhere LeBron goes, he completely destroys the roster and reshapes it in his image. Then when he leaves and the roster doesn't know how to function, it's, oh, look look at how teams collapse when LeBron leaves. Yeah, of course, you never let them learn how to play. But, you know, again, different story. So I feel like I feel like that that argument could get misconstrued a little bit because, like you said, if LeBron goes to a team and he uh, entirely tears down a team and builds that team around him, of course, when he leaves, that team is going to be trash because that team was built to succeed around him. Yeah. So I, I think there's there's LeBron lovers and LeBron haters, and there's uh, two viewpoints. You know what I'm saying? And people that could be unbiased and really put their honest basketball opinion out there yeah you could say teams fall apart when LeBron leaves is that because LeBron's so great or is that because the team was constructed around him I feel like it's a little bit of both fair enough um we could do this all day (laughs) Um, but let's go on to to the next uh Lakers-centric question for you LeBron or Kobe who's a greater player this is not so much of a softball I mean for me it is but um LeBron or Kobe who's a greater player Okay, so greater player, are you are you factoring just straight skill? Or are you talking about their uh, accomplishments and stuff like that? Um, so accomplishments play a huge role. So there's obviously there's the championships, there's the statistics, there's the skill set. So let's say we're we're taking all that, rolling it into a ball. Who are you taking, LeBron or Kobe? I will never choose anybody ever in my life above Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant was just a different human being. Uh, do I think LeBron James is an all-around better player? Uh, maybe by a little bit. You know, he's a better rebounder, better passer. He's a lot bigger. Uh, athleticism is pretty close. But one thing that I was kind of spoiled with as a young kid watching Kobe Bryant, I started watching Kobe when I was six years old, and I never stopped, mm-hmm. was he was one of the most, if not the most skilled basketball player I've ever seen in my life. 
there are so many times when Kobe was coming off of, you know, coming off of pick and rolls, shooting fadeaways, putting up five pump fakes up in a in a row, mm-hmm. spinning off the backside, hitting mm-hmm. mid-range shots. Kobe Bryant was just so skillful, and I've never seen another player be able to show off as many uh, uh, tricks that Kobe Bryant had. So I'm going to have to rock with Kobe, man. Uh, I feel like if I'm choosing a team, yeah, I want LeBron to be on there and he's going to write this shit, make all the guys around him better. But Kobe Bryant is just a proven winner, a killer, a guy with, you know, the Mamba mentality comes mm-hmm. out and he, no matter what, he is going to will mm-hmm. his team to victory, even if he does it by himself. So uh, I'm with you for the most part on that. And a lot of people, um, media types, fan types, et cetera, are going to go with LeBron and they're going to, especially the younger people, and they're going to point to, oh, look at the statistics, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, they play in totally different ways, right? Uh, obviously, from the time LeBron walks into the league, he's in a position where he gets to start right away. When Kobe came into the league, yeah, he was minutes. the starting two guard. So it would have been hard at 17 or whatever age to, to walk into the league as a guard and take Eddie Jones's spot. This guy was one of the best two-way players in the league. A lot of people don't remember Elevator Man. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, I definitely agree with you as to Kobe's total skill set. I agree with you as to Kobe's mindset. Kobe didn't duck challenges. I don't feel like he ducked opponents. And that's something that I see a lot from LeBron. Also, um, to, to your point, he had so such a wider array of offensive weaponry than LeBron does. I think LeBron's game is very limited um, offensively in terms of his toolkit. Yeah, he's a great passer, but a lot of that comes from having the ball in his hands so much. Um, Kobe, when he wanted to be, was an outstanding passer. Outstanding but, yeah, passer. But that wasn't, you had to watch that, and that wasn't his game. His game was to light you up, mm-hmm. and he possessed the skill set to do it. So definitely, if it's me, uh, LeBron, and Kobe, I'm going Kobe. And the funny thing is too, if you talk to NBA veterans, those who have been lucky enough to play against Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant and LeBron James, and it's a short list. It's like uh, McGrady and uh, Grant Hill, and maybe a couple other guys, maybe, maybe Steven Jackson. It's a short list, but the point is, right. I think Chauncey Billups, if you notice, none of those guys have LeBron atop that list. Nobody. Mm-hmm. And there has to be something to be said for that, okay? Because those guys aren't being brainwashed by what the media is telling them or all the highlights or whatever. They've been on the court with all three and they know who the toughest guards are, you know? So, you know, I, I, it's definitely a preference thing, but I, I have to agree with you wholeheartedly that uh, I go Kobe. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, moving on, next thing. Lakers, still on your Lakers. Um, what are their chances of winning another championship this year or even winning the Western Conference with what is likely going to be a lesser version of Anthony Davis whenever he gets back. And if they fail, what does that say about LeBron, if anything, who many people still consider to be the best player in the league and some consider to be the GOAT? And let me just caveat that with there's going to be a lot of people who's going to say, well, he's in his 18th year, he's 36 years old. What do you expect him to do? But at the same time, this wasn't any different when he was a lot younger in Cleveland and, you know, everywhere else. So what's your take on that? I feel like if the Lakers have to win, they have to win the West. They have to, they don't necessarily have to win another championship, but you got to get out the West. When uh, the Lakers mortgaged their future, like you said, traded away all the young guys, Mm -hmm. they traded away to get Anthony Davis to maximize the last few years of LeBron or a LeBron's prime, you should say, if he's even in his prime still. 
So if the Lakers are not taking advantage of those two to three window, uh, two to three year window, then mm-hmm. they're failing. Um, do I think LeBron and the Lakers have to win in terms of solidifying his legacy? Not at all. LeBron is an all-time great. Mm-hmm. No matter if he doesn't win another championship for the rest of his career, we can still mm-hmm. argue that he's one of the greatest players, if not the greatest ever. Now, with that being said, Anthony Davis has been hurt. The Lakers, you know, hurt. We're all dealing with COVID, stuff like that. If LeBron James could still get this wounded Lakers team through the tough Western Conference mm-hmm. and to another championship, mm-hmm. I think that just shows how great he is even more. But say if the Lakers come into the playoffs, AD's not really rolling because, you know, he's dealing with nagging injuries, stuff like that, and the Lakers losing the first or second round, you can't make the argument that LeBron is the best player in the league anymore. Fair enough. Um so still talking about the best player in the league. We'll stay on that for a minute. Uh, who are your current MVPs if you had to vote at midseason? So first, you can give me some of the guys that you think are in the top tier in terms of the race for the award and then who you think that you uh, who, who you would select if you had to select one right now. OK, so I definitely think you got to put Steph Curry and Damian Lillard in the MVP race. Mm. Um, the question Excuse is, me. are their teams good enough for them to be? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That. So uh, a, a lot of the knock on MVP is you got to have a winning team. Mm-hmm. Those years after Shaq left for Laker and uh, for Kobe and the Lakers, Kobe absolutely dominated, averaged 35, was lighting mm-hmm. everybody up. He never won an MVP. Right. So for Damian Lillard or Steph Curry to win this MVP, they definitely have to get their teams higher in the Western Conference, mm-hmm. maybe even in the top four. Uh, but to be averaging damn near 30 points per game, um, referencing Damian Lillard and Stephen Curry, they're both shooting uh, in the 50-40-90 club. That's mm-hmm. insane. You're the yeah. number one guy on your team. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that you are going to be the guy taking all the shots, getting the double teams, right. doing all that stuff, and they're right. still averaging 30, 50, 40, 90. That's insane. Mm-hmm. But I think it's only a two-man race for the MVP right now. It's I, I got... Dame at five, Steph at four, Joe Kick at three. That dude is an absolute stud. The Nuggets have a good guy for years to come. Was he averaging like a 30-point triple-double this year playing, you know, at the center position? He's not really the most athletically gifted, but he still affects the game in so many different ways. But I think it's a two-man race out of LeBron and Joel Embiid. Uh, Joel Embiid is just taking his game to new heights this there year. There you go. It doesn't even seem like there's uh, – uh, a duo in in uh for the Sixers it seems like it's Joel Embiid's team hands mm-hmm. down he's the go-to guy he's absolutely destroying everybody but without being biased I gotta say number one right now by a slight margin is LeBron uh he missed only his first game of the season yesterday against the Kings uh LeBron is coming and playing Every single game on both sides of the ball, he's affecting the game amazingly on offense as usual. But I got to have LeBron in my top five or seven on defense so far this year. If you watch his game, he's absolutely shutting down the other team's player that he's guarding. And he's helping out around the rim uh, ridiculously more than he has in recent years. LeBron James turning it up on defense and showing people even later in his career that he can still shut down the person that he's guarding is really remarkable to me. And I think that's why he has a slight edge, slight on Joel Embiid. So I'm not going to argue with you that uh, you watch more Lakers basketball than me. You do. 
clearly. Um, but to to argue that LeBron, I'm always iffy with this defensively with him because, in my estimation, since the year 2010 is the last time that we saw LeBron consistent, and that was his first Cleveland go around. That's the last time we saw LeBron consistently guarding the best offensive wing slash guard on the opposing team. And that was when Paul Pierce was handing him work and ran him out of Cleveland. And so to me, it's always iffy saying LeBron is locking down the guy he's guarding because often he's not guarding a very good player. They're always looking for that advantageous matchup where he can kind of do the free safety thing, kind of float around, which is why to your point, he's able to help more at the rim because he's not for the most part getting in the crouch and really defending the elite offensive player on the other team. He's always looking for an advantageous matchup. Now, that's smart coaching as well. If you know that LeBron really doesn't have it, whether you say ever or just at this age, to consistently be guarding the opposing team's best player, then that that's smart of you as a head coach to say, okay, we'll just kind of, we'll put you on the easy assignment, let you float, you could play the passing lanes, you could help out on defense, whatever. Okay, cool. But it's always iffy for me to say that he's locking down anyone because that's not generally what's happening in my estimation. With that said, to your point, I got to go Embiid for MVP. I, I've always liked Embiid, so there may be some bias coming in, even though he's a sixer. <laughs> but um, I've always liked Embiid as a player in terms of his outstanding overall skill set. But this year, to me, seems like the year that he's finally picked to be in shape, for the most part, remain in shape and truly dominate. Now, I am more old school in that I would love to see him play more on the block. Like mm -hmm. every single possession, go to the block and start there. Now, if by the design of the play, you end up somewhere around the mid post, mid range or the three point line, so be it. But you should be starting every single possession on the block because there is not a big in this game who can guard him, you know, when he decides he wants to dominate. Um, He's like the modern Elijah one. Yeah, yeah, that's a great comparison. And Elijah Wan is his uh, his idol. Now, I wouldn't mm -hmm. take it too far. I had a I had a guy on Twitter tell me the other day that he's better than Elijah Wan, and I was like, okay, stop. Don't disrespect but, now. Right, don't be disrespectful. Better do your due diligence before right. you start disrespecting goats. That's a fact. That's a fact. But, um, I mean, if you just look, Embiid had, I think, 40 and 19 last night against mm -hmm. multiple-time uh, defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, who's a very good player, but he completely dominated him. I don't know if it's Doc Rivers. I don't know if it's the loss in the, in the playoffs the last couple of years. I don't know if it's he's, he's got a new baby. I don't know what it is that got into Embiid this year, but he has it in his mind to dominate. Now, I'm not normally a stats-driven guy because I think stats are used so often in today's game to, I don't want to say lie, but they're, they're not. Sell a story. Yeah, so they're, thank you, yes, to sell a story, right? And so, you know, you look at what Embiid is doing this year, 30 points a game, 11 rebounds. 52% field goals, 41% from three, 85% from the stripe. It's it's hard. I don't think we've ever seen a big with those kind of numbers. Now, obviously, a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's very little big man competition in today's league and also the way the game is played. But at the end of the day, he is absolutely dominating. And it's not just him. His team is 24 and 12 on the season and really playing some really good ball. They're one of the best teams in the East. So I'm looking at Embiid and saying, if it's me right now, I don't know. I don't think it's runaway, but I think he should clearly be the most valuable player in the league. Now, there's a whole uh, second half of the season to play, but I, I think it's Embiid. I honestly, I would not argue with you uh, 
for if somebody would have say Embiid or if he were to win it later on in the season. He's playing absolutely amazing, man. Mm-hmm. Everything you said is good, good stuff. And I agree with you with him being on the block. When you're seven feet and your post moves are that crisp mm-hmm. and there's a lack of big man talent in the mm-hmm. league, oh, yeah, you get in there and it's barbecue chicken, baby. You're yeah. eating that stuff up down right. there. And, well, you know, last work. year and the year before when he was chucking up all them damn threes all the mm-hmm. time, it's like, what are you doing, man? You're right. a giant. Get down yes. there and do giant things. Right, right, absolutely. Okay, so uh, let's go to this. Something I wanted to, to touch on. Um, uh, Andy's not here, and uh, Andy is – he's a Nets guy. And he and I discussed this um, prior to it happening in terms of the Nets and obviously the big move with them getting James Harden this year and, and having their own big three, which for the most part I think has only played seven or eight games together, but it's still been just an incredible fit. And so where I wanted to go with this real quick was I wanted to say – I was dead wrong and Andy was right about the Nets because I did not think it was going to work. I had no idea that they were going to be able to mesh so quickly and have the type of success that they're having, especially in terms of Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Um, But I can admit I was wrong and uh, Andy hit it right on the head. Um, Obviously, there's a lot left to be seen. But and the biggest thing for me is in pressure moments, Will Kyrie be able to accept that he's not always going to be the last shot guy? Is he going to make smarter decisions? Now, part of that's been handled by taking the ball out of his hands more and letting James Harden make decisions. And that's proven to be, you know, fruitful because I can honestly say I did not expect James Harden to be able to back down his scoring inclination uh, and not play so much the way he's played in Houston all these years and really go back to just being you know, almost a pure distributor. He's really doing something I, I didn't expect at all. Where are you on the Nets and their chances of winning a championship this season? So when they initially made the trade, I was just like everybody else. Damn, they have one hell of a big three. There's a lot of firepower. Lot of firepower. You know, three of the best and most efficient scorers in the league. James Harden, you know, maybe not the most efficient, but at the moment since he's been on there, the homie's been balling. Mm-hmm. Now, my biggest issue with the Nets is never what are they going to do this regular season? Are they going to mesh? I wasn't worried about that. Mm-hmm. My problem is, is that they traded away Jared Allen. They traded away their depth. Yeah, they have uh, DeAndre Jordan and Joe Harris, you know, two guys outside of the victory that could kind of compete. But I'm thinking long-term. I'm thinking playoffs. What is going to happen when you have your three best players not putting up ridiculous of ridiculously high efficient numbers, you know, all three of them in the 50, 40, 90 club, that's unheard of for the amount of shots that those three take. Now, with that being said, in the playoffs, when you come and you're playing against Giannis, you're playing against Joel Embiid, who's going to stop them? Or hypothetically speaking, if they play the Lakers in the finals, when you run AD at the five, DeAndre Jordan is now irrelevant. What are you going to do? Have him play uh, cover uh, uh, AD? That's insane. So when you have AD at the five, you take DeAndre Jordan out of the game, who's covering AD? Is it Kevin Durant? And then who's covering LeBron? You know, they have glaring weaknesses in their front court and on the uh, rim protector shot blocker side when DeAndre Jordan's out the game. I don't even think they have another center on their team. Mm. So I want to see what's going to happen when those three guys aren't shooting as well. Those Their numbers, I'm expecting them to come down a little bit. Mm. And then what's going to happen when you have a big man forcing his way in the middle and DeAndre Jordan just can't stop it? KD's not stopping Joel Embiid. 
KD's mm-hmm. not stopping Giannis. Mm-hmm. I want to see how are they going to make up for that. Because I, I just don't think in the playoffs you could just outshoot everybody. I think the assumption is that when you got three guys like that who are nuclear weapons, you can get away can count with having, on having some... at least two of them, you know, being on at, in any given game. So if one of them's off, okay, but you're still going to have two guys who can who can go to work. I think, you know, that's kind of where their mindset is. And then, you know, if you get one of the bench guys or one of the lesser guys, Joe Harris knocking down shots or what have you, to contribute, then you'll be okay. Yeah. I, I feel that. Say, but say you go into a game, Kyrie's not shooting well, and then KD's playing center and mm-hmm. he's in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Now you have both of those guys up, you know, struggling. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to see how that chemistry plays into a uh, plays into account. What is Steve Nash gonna do? It kind of seems like he's not even coaching for Brooklyn. It seems like the guys are just kind of doing their own thing. But um, yeah, man, I want to see playoff time. Uh, this team was built for the playoffs. We know they're they're going to be great, but how great are they going to be mm-hmm. when other teams are exploiting their weaknesses? What are mm-hmm. they going to do to counter that? You have a rookie head coach, but you have, you know, an absolutely amazing veteran assistant coach in Mike D'Antoni mm-hmm. to kind of alleviate, uh, you know, those uh, rookie mistakes and stuff like that. But I want to see what is the what are, what are their counters? What are they practicing? What are they mm-hmm. watching in film? That's what I want to see from the Nets. Um. I definitely think that's interesting. Just uh, those are good points, especially the rookie head coach piece, um, because there are, you know, veteran coaches who definitely are going to be able to outcoach him in the playoffs. And then we know Dan Tony, even though he's the veteran voice of of reason, um, he's not a guy who's great at making playoff adjustments. So it mm-hmm. it should be interesting. Um, Very interesting. Doc Rivers, Nick Nurse, uh, Mike Budenholz are all outstanding veteran coaches in the East. Um, yeah. It's going to be very interesting. Um, all right. And finally, before I let you get out of here, man, uh, the all-star game is on the horizon. That's coming. Here's my question for you on that. Has the three-point shootout really officially overtaken the dunk contest as the most popular event of all-star weekend? Most definitely. And for one simple reason, you have uh, stars participating in the three-point shootout. You have some of the best Biggest name players in the league, the guys that everybody mm-hmm. wants to watch yep. in the dunk contest. You have guys coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. You have guys that hasn't even really played this year, and they're competing in the dunk contest. We don't care about watching them. Put the damn right. stars in the game. If you're right. the best dunker in the league and you're a good, great player in the league, mm-hmm. get out there and prove it. Yep. That's the thing with the you know back in the day, the seventies, eighties, nineties, even mm-hmm. going into the two thousands. The best of the best were competing at All Star weekend, weekend, and it's not like that anymore. And because of that, me being a fan, I'm losing interest because, you know, the competition in the All-Star game is not good. Uh, The dunk contests, we're not having the the high name, high profile guys out there doing things. So it's kind of like deterring my interest. I'm very, uh, very much looking forward to the three-point shootout over the dunk contest this year. Right. So kind of you, you touched on it. So I guess my next question was, what happened to the dunk contest? It used to be the glamour event of All-Star Weekend, but it's not like that anymore. Why are the big names refusing to compete? And I have my answer to this, but I'm going to ask you, is LeBron James responsible for that? I think he is. I think he is for sure. You know, uh, when when I was a kid and LeBron came into the league, you know, one of the best dunkers ever, you know, making crazy in-game dunks and the dunks that he's doing pregame is absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But yet 
damn near 20 years into his career, he has never given the fans, you know, a dunk contest. Right. Um, I don't think that's fair. Uh, he can do whatever the hell he wants. He's his own right. person and he mm -hmm. is never forced to do it. But mm -hmm. it's like, come on, man. I don't I don't think you're going to get hurt. God forbid you go out there and do a, con a dunk contest. I don't think that's going to take up too much of your time. I don't think it's going to empty the gas tank too much. Go out there and do a few dunks and give us all those fans. You know, we pay our hard-earned money to watch you guys play. We want to see you dunk too. I don't think it's fear of getting hurt. I think it's fear of losing and pro probably losing badly. He might be, he's a great in-game dunker, in-game dunker. I don't know that he would be a great dunk contest guy, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm older than you probably significantly. So, you know, when I was coming up, it was Michael Jordan in the dunk contest and Sean Kemp. And, you know, I, I saw all these things and then uh, Dominique Wilkins. And then I was amazed, of course, in 2000, when you had uh, uh, Vince Carter. Francis and Vince Carter, that was arguably one of the best ones ever, you know, obviously what Kobe in 97. So I've seen a lot of big names and then I've seen the dunk contest do this over the mm -hmm. years. And, you know, I think he is, I mean, I don't want to, yeah, I don't care. I, I think he's directly responsible for it. And, you know, it's it's a bad look. There's no reason that Zion should not be in a dunk contest. I was just and about I'm, to say, I'm, if I'm Zion sure does not... Him to do it. Yeah, if Zion does not participate, this is mm -hmm. LeBron times two, mm -hmm. you know, and it's it's going to make it even worse. We mm -hmm. need these high-profile, yes. high, high-flight dunkers to mm -hmm. participate, man. Right. Uh, right. Adam Silver knows this. Um, the all-star game is, like you said, it's, it's a downtrend mm -hmm. for the last five or 10 years. They're yeah. not really competing. It's not right. really fun. They have made changes recently to mm -hmm. kind of spark interest into all-star right. weekend because it's been getting boring. Right. And uh, that's one thing I like about Adam Silver and the NBA is that they're willing to make changes, willing to try new things out. And mm -hmm. I think their next goal is to kind of get these high names back mm. into the dunk contest, man. Give us a reason to watch. They're going to have to find a way to better incentivize those guys. But yes, uh, yes. We, we'll, uh, we'll leave it right there. Um, Mac, before you get out of here, man, tell the people where they can find you. Hey, man, I just want to let you guys know you can check me out on Talk Smack with Mac on YouTube, Instagram, or anywhere that podcasts are streamed. I dive deep in the world of sports, music, and life, and I'm dropping podcasts every week. Make sure you guys check me out. All right. Hey, Mac, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Um, it was good talking with you. We'll definitely have you back. Um, I want to have you on uh, uh, next time with Andy. So we're definitely going to uh, kick that, uh, my, my, my NBA guy. And it uh, should be fun, man. Good luck to you. And, and thanks again. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. You, you know you're a basketball, so I'm very looking forward to talking to you again. Absolutely, man. You have a good one. All right, brother. You too.